and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jess Parker Humphreys, joined today, as always, by Abdullah. Abdullah, thank you for tuning in to us today. We are doing some immediate reaction, immediate-ish, I guess. It's now been four hours since the draw, to the Champions League draw, which Chelsea will be participating in today. So whether you're listening to us on the Blue Royalty feed or the London's Blue feed, uh, thank you for checking us out. We are able to exist thanks to you, an amazing community of Chelsea supporters, and we can't thank you enough for your support. So if you are enjoying the podcast and you are listening from the London's Blue Feed, please do subscribe to Blue Royalty via Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. And feel free whilst you're there to leave a five-star review to help other listeners find the show. So, Abdullah, Champions League draw, we are here. It's so exciting. When I heard the theme music, I just felt buzzing. We have drawn some familiar faces, some familiar faces to other English teams and a familiar place, I guess, is the way to describe it. So we've got Real Madrid, who obviously we had in the Champions League group stage last year. BK Hechen, who play in Jotobor, which is where we famously lost the Champions League final. And Paris FC, who have knocked out everybody in a bid to reach the group stages. So... What is your immediate reaction to that group? And then we'll do a little bit of a chat about the other groups as well. My immediate reaction was sort of a tough, like it's a low-key tough group, which we should still come out of on top, but it's still low-key tough. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of like it. It's it's both weirdly the second easy, sort of the second easiest and at the same time, also a tough group to navigate. Um, there could have been a worse draw, uh, you know, that, that could have been there, you know. But overall, I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I like it. I'm not mad at it. And you know what? I'm, uh, I, the, um, the teams, the, these teams in our group are actually all fun to watch and, 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 and they play some fun football. So at least the games won't be boring in that aspect. Yeah. My kind of opinion was that given, Chelsea's expectations in the Champions League that they shouldn't have been able to get a group that they couldn't top and I kind of think also given Chelsea's ability to fuck up in the Champions League they could have been given any group and still fuck it up if that makes sense so I don't think it's the easiest group Lyon definitely have that don't think it's the hardest group Bayern Munich definitely have that so I'll just quickly run through the other groups Uh, we're in group D Harry Edwards tweeted to say that um, every group's Every Champions League winner since there's been a group stage has come from Group D. So that bodes well. Uh, we previously twice been in Group A, which is now Barcelona, Rosengard, Benfica and Eintracht Frankfurt. And that is super weird because Barcelona, Rosengard and Benfica were all together in a group last year. Uh, group B, this is the easy slash boring one. Um, Leon, Slavia Prague, St. Pulten and Bran. Group C, this is definitely the group of death. Bayern Munich, PSG, Roma and Ajax, then obviously us. Real Madrid, Hecken and Paris FC. Obviously, listeners, you'll notice, if you didn't already know, that Chelsea are the only English team in the Champions League draw. <clears throat> this is because Manchester United contrived to lose to PSG. Something which, on the face of it, isn't that embarrassing. PSG are a good team. We know that. I mean, we beat them home and away last season, but they didn't make it super easy. Um, 
Man United drew the first leg 1-1. They lost second leg 3-1. Um, two goals from Nico Martins and Sandy Baltimore getting PSG the win there. But look, these are these are Champions League, past Champions League finalists. They've got a lot of pedigree in the competition. Man United have never been participating before. What has been embarrassing, maybe more than the football played, and I think we need to touch on this, is the reaction to losing at this stage. So obviously Arsenal already went out in the first qualifying round. United went out in the second qualifying round. We got an automatic group stage spot. Mark Skinner is not happy with this. He says, we deserve to be at this level, e.g. the Champions League group stage. There are teams that are going through that are not good enough. It's crazy that we have to play PSG. We'll learn from it. We'll come back from it. Mark, he also said, I hope something has changed because we want the best teams in the Champions League, not just a spread of some average teams, which I thought was crazy <laughs> to say. Jonas Eideval, obviously everyone's now been asked about this. Emma Hayes gave the best answer, but one, she's in the best position to give the best answer because Chelsea are in the group stage and she's also seen what everyone says, but two, she's also right. Jonas Eideval barreled in to say, the correct thing initially, I think, which is we can't say that anyone's else problem except our own, e.g. English teams, not only there being one. We need to improve. English teams have not done well enough in Europe. But he then said the Conti Cup group that United are in now might be tougher than some Champions League groups. I mean, maybe Group B, but even then, I think that's giving a lot of credit to Leicester and Everton, who are in United's Conti Cup group. Um, Abdullah, what what do you make of, of all of this? Obviously... There's an extent to which it's easy for us as Chelsea fans to say, well, if I wanted to be in the group stage of the Champions League, I would simply either win the WSL or win my qualifying games. But ultimately, these teams knew what they had to do and they just didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty straightforward. You go in, you play the games, you win, you qualify, right? You know what's on the line, you know what's there. Yeah, okay. I mean, if anything... Right, isn't this an easier route to the Champions League? Because Chelsea have been winning the last four WSLs and we've been pretty pretty tough to beat in the WSL for most of these teams. So for them, this is like the best case scenario. Okay, cool. If we're fine, United got a team like PSG to to have to have to beat and go through on a on a double header, which is not the easiest thing in the uh, easiest thing to do. But certainly Arsenal had the opportunity to to be able to go and do that. I mean, I don't see Wolfsburg coming out and saying, this is, a, you know, this is a problem. You know, we have these issues and that issues. Wolfsburg got out to Paris FC just the way that, that Arsenal did. And, and I, don't, I don't see what, I mean, it was disappointing for Wolfsburg, but I, I, don't, I don't think I saw anything on the news with them coming out post-game going, you know, the standard equality that we have with like, you know, other teams in the league are, you know, are, are up there. So I, f- I found his comments really weird. And, and obviously I found it like, obviously disrespectful to PSG. Like it's it's like, you know, it's crazy that we have to play PSG and, and, and all this stuff, like, you know, other teams aren't good enough. Like this is the first time United have ever made a Champions League in and around, you know, some sort of game around the Champions League. And for him to come out and make a statement like this, we deserve to be at this level. But you only deserve to be there if you win your game and go through next if you don't win you don't deserve it and to say okay yeah i get the old it's adage, literally old how adage. it works yeah exactly <laughs> I, I get the old adage sometimes you okay if you lose in like the last minute you played really well or whatever to that extent i get it but yeah if you don't win you don't deserve to go through i mean i don't understand how that concept is very difficult and like we were kind of saying on whatsapp early in the day willie kirk's the guy but Let's be absolutely real. He ain't going through the Champions League here. So, Mark, I don't know what you're on, 
but uh, I think you need to chillax, bro. Like this was this was a bit much. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the point I guess he's trying to make is the idea that Man United are better than some of the teams that qualified for the Champions League to get to the group stage. I mean, if you look at it, I just think it, that's really not provably true. Maybe you would look at teams like Bran, which is ironically managed by United's old assistant manager. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Skinner is maybe feeling a bit butthurt that his assistant manager or former assistant manager is in the Champions League group stage and he's not. But also, like, there's even beyond that, there's an argument of even, let's say, if United were, it's a Champions League. You take the champ, you take champions from different leagues, and that's an important thing. Like, there's really exciting opportunities here. Like, we've seen Benfica improve year on year as Portuguese champions going into the group stage to the point where you look at them in, in that Group A and think they've probably got a good chance of coming second. You know, I'd, I'd fancy them over Rosengarden, Eintracht, Frankfurt. That's really cool. We never had a Portuguese team in the, in the knockout stages before. We saw Roma, obviously, last year, like, really take everyone by surprise. And another group that was maybe seen as being a bit hard to call. Ajax, the first Dutch team to, to make the Champions League group stage, and they've got loads of talented players and are a really exciting side. And I'm sure at some point the Champions League will be expanded in a way that if you finish second in the WSL, you probably will get an automatic spot. And hopefully that will also allow more teams from smaller leagues and in inverted commas to also get through. I just think, and maybe Tim Stillman, he, he tweeted this, and I think this was also the perfect way to put it. It's like, you can talk about expansion and the best set of teams that play in the Champions League, but you kind of can't do that after you've just got knocked out because you will only look like a sore loser. And all that happened is, is that Mark Skinner just looks like a sore loser, especially the comments about average teams. And I guess also the other thing is, is we don't know how good Manchester United are at Europe because they've only ever played two European games and they lost that on aggregate. And that's it. Like, that's how it works. I, I feel like if you're Arsenal and you're like, well, we made the semi-final, like we were one of the best four teams in Europe last year. If you're Wolfsburg, who were also one of the best four teams in Europe last year, you can be like, well, it's really fucking annoying that we had to play these games, first of all. Like, haven't we shown our pedigree enough? I could kind of turn around and be like, yeah, that's sort of fair, maybe. I mean, I don't think you should get an automatic spot just because you were in the semi-finals last year. But I'm like, I can believe that, you know, last year I watched you be one of the best four teams in Europe. Manchester United, I'm like, I've got no idea how good you are in Europe because you've never done it before. And that's why you got PSG, because you don't have a coefficient. Anyway, rant over. Chelsea are the only English team in the group stage of Champions League. Um, if you haven't seen Frank Herbie Daly's incredible edit from the Chelsea documentary, whereby Emma is now chastising Jonas Eideval, Mark Skinner and Gareth Taylor for caning England's Champions League coefficient, please go and watch it. It sums it all up perfectly and is one of the best things I have seen on Twitter in recent times. All right, we'll take a quick ad break here. And when we come back, we'll dive down into our group itself. So ahead of the actual group stage games, we will do a more sort of in-depth tactical preview of each of these teams. But Adela and I thought we'd just kind of come here and talk about some of our initial thoughts about them um, because we've still got a couple of weeks until the group stage actually does start. So let's start with Real Madrid. Abdullah, this is obviously a team that Chelsea are familiar with. We beat them 2-0 at home in what I guess is maybe or was maybe our last ever Champions League game at King's Meadow, which is kind of a sad thing to think about. We didn't know it at the time, but, you know, obviously all of our group stage games are going to be at Stamford Bridge this year. 
Firm. We drew 1-1 away with them last year. That was uh, the game where AKB sort of passed it to a Real Madrid player and they scored. And then Guru Wrighton scored a silly penalty where it came off Misa Rodriguez's head. That was a bit of a clusterfuck of a game. Uh, they are currently unbeaten in Liga FA. They qualified for the group stages by beating Icelandic Valarenga 5-1 on aggregate. I guess from last year, Abdullah, you would say this is a team who we will feel confident about being able to, yes, get four to six points off of. But do you think Real Madrid have, have changed in that time since we played them last? I think so. I, I think I think if you if we look at their squad, I think certainly their squad is a lot better than it was last year. I mean they've they've added some key players in there. Obviously Linda Caicedo is now playing in there who's top top talent. We saw her at the World Cup for Colombia and you know she almost single handedly pull that Colombia team through at certain moments um, uh, during games. I mean, her some of her goals are fantastic. Uh, you know, you've got Athena Del Castillo is, is is another year better, another year more experienced, and she's an explosive player. So those two on the wings alone are like dangerous propositions for our forwards. And not to mention, you've got Haley Rasa, who knows the league really well to come off the bench. They've added Signet Brun to their squad. I thought um, uh, Caroline Weir is obviously out with injury, but that's that's a big miss there. But like uh, even Teresa Abelera, I thought was really good for Spain in the World Cup. Sandy Toletti is a fantastic holding midfield. So I think they've got the makings of a decent team that's probably better than it was last year. I still think Chelsea will be too much for them. And so I think we can easily target four points at a bare minimum because I think it may be the away game. I think Real Madrid will... Will will probably have a little bit more incentive to maybe come forward and and play a little bit, being at home, uh, especially with the players that they have. Um, but overall, I I think they're uh, I think I think on paper they're probably the second best side in this in this group. But um, you know I I do feel like the other two can. It's like they're they're on paper the second best side, but I can easily see. Paris FC with the way they've been playing, you know, compete with them. But o- overall, I I kind of do think this Real Madrid side is technically looks better than they did um, last season. Yeah, I agree. I do think Real Madrid have added quality, and I think you know Caicedo is someone a player who's just not to be taken lightly. Um, we've seen what obviously what she did at the World Cup, although I'm sure she won't be thrilled to know that once again she could be man-marked by Jess Carter. Uh, Caroline Weir, though, for me, just feels like such a big miss. It just felt like lo- so much of what Real Madrid did creatively went through her, and it's a real shame for her because she was such a justified star of that team, and I do think it makes them a bit less three-dimensional without her. Um, I agree with you. I do think they are the probably the best team in this group I think obviously they're a team who's played in every group stage of the Champions League they they reached the quarterfinals two years ago um obviously playing Barcelona in those like original that that first sort of Camp Nou match and they they were leading against Barcelona in, in their home leg um but I do think Real Madrid have this sort of unfortunate um reputation for fortunate unfortunate I guess depending on how much you like them um for of bottling things you know we saw this, they've still not won anything properly and they reached the final of the Copa de la Reina last season when Barcelona had, were chucked out of the competition for fielding an ineligible player and they promptly lost on, on penalties there to Atletico Madrid. And I do think that's to Chelsea's advantage. I think there is this sense around Real Madrid um, that they never quite get it right. They never quite show enough with their talent 
um, to sort of justify doing what you'd expect. Obviously, team make the knockouts last season, PSG, the team that went through in second. So I think it will be interesting. I felt like both games last year were really, really dull. Um, you know, even the 2-0 home win, we sort of just flukes our way, that weird Aaron Cuthbert goal. Um, and Sophie Ingle kind of heading in on the line. So I don't think they'll be the most exciting games in the world. Um, but I do think, again, this is kind of true for all of these teams. If Chelsea wants to do well in the Champions League, they should probably get six points against Real Madrid, in my opinion. Um, let's move on to BK Hecken. The This is our return to, to Jotobor. Um Interesting team and I guess this is make is what makes the group quite interesting. So BK Heckham with a pot three team, Paris FC with a pot four team. But I think Paris FC have now got enough um momentum behind them that people will see them as the third best team in this group and BK Heckham probably the weakest. So it's quite different, Abdullah, from in the past where we've had sort of a, a Vlatsnia or a Servette. Um, who we've gone and just been able to score five or six against. I don't think BK Hecken are quite that team. Currently head-to-head -head with Hammerby at the top of the table in Sweden, obviously come to the end of the season there. Beat FC 20 in qualifying, but that was a close match. Um, they won 4-3 on aggregate in the end. What what do you make of, of Hecken? I mean... I'm I'm not asking you to pretend you're regularly watching the Damals Venskan week in, week out. Um, but I guess what do you make of sort of this team who are, I guess are probably the weakest team in the group, but don't feel like they're gonna be pushovers? Yeah, this is this is what I was this is what I was thinking when, when I saw the group. I'm like, it's it's not the it's not the hardest group, but it's also not the easiest group because we've seen Big Hacken play some decent football they they have moments and pockets of, of 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 games where they can play well and they can score i mean they've got more of a threat of scoring a goal against every team in the group than a vlatsnia like servet and vlatsnia you were like it's going to be a one in 20 chance that they will probably score a score against us right or, or any of the any of the top teams whereas with hacken i think you have more of a chance that they will They'll come in and probably score well, maybe one in ten, one in eight. I I would I would say, um, and so I think I think with just that alone, you you have that, and and they've got some Champions League experience. It's not like this is the first time they were there. I mean, the last time I saw them play was against Lyon a couple of seasons ago in the Champions League group stages, and yeah, Lyon ended up winning the game. If I remember away from home, I think it was three one or four four one. It was something like that, but. They they caused them they caused uh, Leon some frustration for the first 25, 30 minutes and before before they scored the first goal and then the kind of the floodgates opened up. So I think they have the potential to be a very annoying team, uh, especially in the beginning, you know, set up really well. Uh, and and listen, if you are a team that the Damos Fanskins produce some fantastic players, and we've seen some great players come from there, Kankovic being one of them, and you know, kind of playing in and around these these leagues, you you know, we've just seen uh Kyra Cooney cross go across to Arsenal. So there are really good players there. And it's just and and if you are top of the league there, it's that's no mean feat. So that alone, just to kind of show Paris FC is a top five, top six team in in, in D1 Arkema. You got Haken who are challenging for the title. Real Madrid are in and around the top four every season. So we've actually got a pretty decent group of like worthy competitors in their leagues coming into our group. So I think with just that alone, um, it's not a it's not it's not a bad shout. And 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 let's not forget, I think I think they've got some some really 
really good players, albeit a couple of them might be injured, but they do have decent players that can potentially trouble us um, for longer periods of, of time. Yeah, I mean, it will also be a return, obviously, to Johanna Rittin-Kanarid's former club, which will be sort of a fun link there. I Yeah, I definitely think, you know, they are a team who shouldn't be messed with, um, shouldn't be overlooked, and they do have not necessarily an advantage because obviously they're probably tired from playing a long season, but sometimes I do feel like um, the Scandi teams... You, it can kind of go one or two ways. Either you're knackered and everyone else is fresh or you're in form and your team's been playing r- really well and you feel really good. Say, for example, if you're heck and you just won the league, if that does happen, that's like a big confidence boost. Um, So that'll be interesting to see. I think it's going to be very different from when they last played in the Champions League two years ago. Yeah, in that group with Leon and Bayern Munich and Benfica and Hecken finished bottom with just one win over Benfica. But, you know, I think it was a very different experience, the Champions League then. It was a very new experience then. And I think even though they weren't in it last year, they'll have sort of an understanding more of how maybe they want to play these games. Um, some interesting players to look out for. Ellen Rumsen's injured at the moment, but obviously she was one of Sweden's stars at the World Cup and Arsenal looked at bringing her in before they went for Kyra Cooney Cross. Anna Anvergaard uh, playing there now. She was at Everton for a bit, one of their string of unsuccessful number nines they had. And Ruby Grant is someone who people who follow English age group football will be familiar with, um, a midfielder who's ended up there too. Let's look at Paris FC then, the final team in this group. And the team that it felt inevitable for Chelsea to get, obviously there's been a lot of talk about this incredible qualifying run that that Paris FC have gone on beating Arsenal on penalties after that amazing 3-3 draw in the first qualifying round before going on to beating Wolfsburg 5-3 on aggregate. They had another 3-3 draw in the first leg at home before going to win 2-0 in Wolfsburg. I wouldn't say a comfortable victory. You know, they did, well, they had a penalty saved and Wolfsburg had a penalty saved, but I do think Paris deserved to go through. They looked like the better team for large portions of this match. And I guess, obviously, with all the chat and ribbing of Arsenal fans, it feels necessary that Chelsea now have to play Paris FC and we'll get to see how good they are versus Chelsea. Abdullah, you obviously watch a lot of French football and I know there are some players in this Paris FC team who you've been a big fan of for for a long time. So tell us from your perspective of you know having a broader view of Paris FC as opposed to just this sort of crazy knockouts run that they've been on what what can Chelsea expect and you know do they really live up to the the hype and the billing that they've got from these two really standout wins I mean yeah I think we should kind of put this out that, that, that they haven't really I think in the last couple of seasons really torn up some trees in terms of uh in terms of uh, you know obviously European performances and they haven't really consistently made it but they've played some decent football in, in the league. You know, they've given trouble to PSG and, and Lyon. And you know, that, you know, these are the two games that people around the league and, and things look around to go, okay, potentially, you know, who is that third place team that A, can cement themselves in in, in the league? And who is the team that's going to cause PSG and Lyon the most problems? And in the last couple of seasons, Paris FC has have been that team. They are six-time French champions. So, I mean, they their last title was in 2005-06, but they've got pedigree. They've got history. They've reached a Champions League semi-final in 2012-13. Uh, you know, so 
and they've won the Coupe de France. So they, they've got pedigree both in Europe and domestically, you know, by winning these number of titles. And, and you know, the squad that they have, I mean, I'll run through a couple of names that probably people will not know, but like they, they are some fantastic players. Just before I do that, Diani, who, you know, Chelsea have been constantly linked with for the last couple of years, she used to play for Paris FC. Elise Boussaglia, French national, uh, former, you know, play, came from here. Orien Jean-Francois, who's playing for PSG, is holding midfielder, came from here. Sarah Bouhadi, the old Lyon goalkeeper, you know, she came from Paris FC. So they've they've notably had some key players before. Um, obviously, we all know that Alsu's in there, you know, and, and how much she's going to play is a different story. But, you know, it's the power of Alsu Abdelina that's powering Paris FC through because, you know, it's 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 it's, it's there. But, I think I think a couple of names that we've got to call out is Clara Matteo. I think is 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 a top player that that you know I've been a fan of for the last couple of years. I thought she's done a great job for France, and and you know has has been this steady um, star player kind of for for Paris. But I mean, let's not forget you've got uh, Chiamaka and then those of you for Nigeria who had a fantastic World Cup. You know, playing playing in goal. She, you know, she's their goalkeeper. She's the one that's been saving them in these penalty shootouts. So I think. Defensively, they've, they've got a wall in there. Um, Gaetan Thini is, is is an old school French player that's 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 been doing it for years, so they give them that experience over there. Um, and kind of one more player I'd want to pick out is Mathilde Bourdieu, is their striker. Uh, she kind of goes a little bit under the radar, but um, you know she was the one that that sort of scored the two goals against, uh, you know, scored a couple of goals against Arsenal in in the three three draw to kind of to get them there. Um, and 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 she even scored against one of the goals against Wolfsburg. So I, I, for me, she's one of those strikers that I think in a couple of years we'll be looking at going. Uh, if she can, if she goes at the trajectory that I, that I think that she can, um, that she can she can go at. I do think that we potentially have another sort of um, you know another sort of like Bunny Shaw situation where you got a player that scores a lot of goals. And that eventually gets picked up by a big team, just does a lot better. And then, you know, suddenly everybody goes, wait, what's happening? I mean, in, in, in just already this season, she's played four matches and scored three goals in, in the Champions League and, and already has one goal, one assist in, in the league. So um, she's she's a top player that I think with a bit, bit better service, I think, can can do well. But yeah, I think Paris have a have a relatively good squad that a lot of people won't know about, but um, I do think that they can cause damage. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up taking, um, they end up beating Hakan, you know, on both legs, get six points on there. And then whatever happens against Real Madrid and Chelsea is, 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 um, is a coin is a basically a free hit, but yeah, I can, I can see them getting at least six points in this group. And then whatever happens after that is, is, is what it is. Yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting to see. They, they're obviously unbeaten in the league this year as well. You know, this isn't just that they put everything into the Champions League. They're looking like a really um, strong team. I think especially they've been very ruthless when going forward, which I think has helped. I do think they've looked questionable in defence at points. I think across the Wolfsburg and the Arsenal game, I think this is a team who definitely the key is to not, show signs of weakness and to make sure you punish their own errors um 
And it will be really interesting to see sort of how Chelsea deal with them and how confident they feel. Funnily enough, I have just noticed that that semi-final they played in that you were talking about in 2012-13, they actually played Hecken in the quarterfinals. So that's like go. quite a fun rematch a decade on. Um, and then they lost 9-1 to Leon in the semi-final over two legs. But Kadidiatu Diani scored their goal there. So, yeah, just some more of that sense of sort of the, the pedigree Paris had. They were obviously called Juvisi at the time. So, um yeah, I think it's really exciting to see. And this is why I think I find the comments from like Skinner and Idabal so frustrating as well, because it's been re- it's been a really cool story and it's they're going to go into this group stage with Chelsea with this, you know, real almost sense of fear behind them because they've beaten two Champions League semi-finalists from last year. You know, like that's no mean feat, especially to do that across three games. Um, and I think it's going to add like a really interesting extra feeling to the group I think lots of teams you know I think because I think it will apply for Real Madrid as well Real Madrid will feel nervous too and I think it's going to be interesting to see how maybe that can work in Chelsea's favour again you know sort of two years ago Chelsea really were unlucky in terms of the fact that everyone took points off each other but I wonder if a bit more like last year Chelsea might benefit from the fact teams start taking points off each other um and how maybe that makes it easier to potentially go on and win the group. Um, so it's a bit of a different group stage. Well, it's not a different format. It's a bit of a later group stage than it is normally. So Chelsea will have two matches in November, two in December, and then unusually two in January. So the group stage will start 14th, 15th of November and finish on the 30th and 31st of January. So a bit of a, a different one. We're not going to be sort of finishing up on Christmas Eve as we were last year against um, PSG, but it's not sort of been announced dates and times yet, but I'm sure that normally comes out pretty soon. Obviously, all of Chelsea's home games are at Stamford Bridge. So uh, if you are in the area, make sure you get down to those. Um, hopefully it'll be a really good atmosphere. Let's take another ad break here and then we will quickly finish off today's episode by having a brief chat about a game against Brighton on Sunday. Abdullah, we're here already. The dreaded Brighton fixture. Um, the home one this time, not the, the home one or the away one, is necessarily better than the other. I don't know if I'm more or less concerned that now I think Brighton have good players. I feel like somehow that negates the Brighton curse because I feel like the curse was always that they were rubbish against everyone else and amazing against us. Um, do you think? Do you think we should be worried we're once again on a very long unbeaten home streak and we know Brighton delight in ending in ending such things when it comes to Chelsea yeah I think so I think I think Brighton have some some really class players and it just seems like Brighton as a club whether it's the men's team or the women's team they just love ruining ruining our party and 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 kind of annoy you know annoying us in um in trying to in trying to just win games and I, and I think they've you know obviously they've They've had a bit of a thing. They lost the one to Tottenham. They beat Birmingham in the cup. They lost to West Ham. They beat Everton. So they're due a loss now. If we're going by that, by that logic, um, no. But I think I think I think Brighton seemingly show up against uh, against against Chelsea. And 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 if we you know if we if we look at their uh, if we look at their squad, I mean they've got some really good players that they've um, that they've added in. You got someone like Vicky Lasada in there with. You know who's obviously played for Man City, so it's not like she has to adapt. She's she's really really good uh, in goal. Maria Thoris daughter is in there as as a bit of a more 
uh, more experienced. I really like Tatiana Pinso. I thought that was a really, really good pickup for, for midfield. Um, they got Lee Ming-Wen from PSG earlier in the summer as well. Katie Robinson, obviously, we know all about her. Um, so, I mean, you, uh, Pauline Bremer is another one that they got, you know, in there. So, I mean, you look at that squad and you pick out these players, and you're like, that's actually a pretty decent team that can really cause anybody issues, I think, in uh, in the league. Um, so, it is... It is quite the, I, I would be worried. I mean, I think overall I would be worried, you know, regardless of what their last few results have been. And um, I think Chelsea, I think I think this season in the WSL in general, I think with the exception of maybe like Bristol so far, I th- and, 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 and I think every team has the potential of beating uh, the top three sides in, in, in the WSL because everyone's just become a lot better. Leicester have proven that. They took a point off United already and they had a good start to the season. Um, you know, Liverpool have shown real, real gusto this season. Oh, this season already, they, they've beaten Arsenal at the Emirates, you know. Uh, Everton are, you know, anything can happen. Villa haven't got any points as of right now because they're going to kick off, going to play tomorrow. Um, but they could, you know, they're potentially a very, very good team that could challenge for the top three, four. Tottenham have won a couple of games already, so like, I feel like everyone's everyone's really good, and 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 anything can happen. So, yeah, I would be worried about Brighton. Yeah, I think Brighton have probably been unlucky a little bit in terms of their results. Um, I think you know you're talking about the number of players they brought in, and some people raised this before the season started, and I probably should have paid more attention about this before. I like so much the profiles of the players they brought in, but it's clear that it is taking a while for it to click. Not all of those players have like come in and necessarily played the minutes you might have expected them to, and that's. I think, understandable. So I think Brighton will get better. And to that extent, I think it's a pretty good time to play them. Um, But yes, I don't think they're as bad as losing to West Ham and Tottenham suggests. There was some Nicky Everard fumbling, related fumbling. That sounds much dirtier than I meant to make it sound. <laughs> Nikki Everard didn't cover herself in glory in that Tottenham game at the uh, at the Amex on, on Sunday. So obviously she won't be available. Sophie Bagley will be in goal. Um. For Chelsea, there will be no Melanie Loipolt. She not entirely clear what's happened to her, but Emma saying her and Kat are the two certain absentees, but there are a couple of other doubts which will get assessed tomorrow. Um, I'm guessing this means we'll probably see Sophie Ingle in midfield again, even though I think everyone's agreed we don't want to see Sophie Ingle in midfield anymore. Um, Abdullah, any other players who, you, who you'd like to see get a, a chance in this game? We're obviously still in that process of of figuring things out. I guess something that's interesting is someone who we've not really seen uh, much of and who consequently has been dropped from the France squad ostensibly for this reason, but I'm not really sure Eve Renard ever liked her that much, but that is Eve Perisay. Um, Do you think this is a game maybe for her? We've sort of had mixed Ashley Lawrence feelings. Um, could this be something where, where Perisay maybe steps up? Yeah, I'd like to see Perisay come in. I think, I think she's been consistent in the games that she's played and i think in the minutes that she's had she's had a I think overall better performances than ashley lawrence i think i think maybe the adaptation for ashley lawrence hasn't kicked in as much as we would have hoped it, w- it would have been um so far and so if we are coming up against a, a quote-unquote bogey team to an extent i would like to see paris get a get a chance to play um another name i'd like to see playing from the start is kankovic just to you know if we aren't going to play 
Leupold, then I would not mind giving Kankovic that role to kind of just run around midfield and kind of play a bit more freely and, and pick pockets alongside Aaron Cuthbert. And we saw her playing as this deeper eight um, in a couple of games already, especially even against Roma in the preseason game, that I, I feel like it would be it would be good to maybe give her a, a run out in 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 the first team because I feel like she's she's deserved her she's deserved a minute. So probably for me, I agree with you on Eve Perez and and for me, I, I would like to give uh, Kankovic uh, a shot in midfield from the start. And we will, I guess, continue to be on goalkeeper watch. But at this point, I'm just going to be assuming it, it's a cheerer. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting one at, at Kings Meadow. Um, obviously, this is the last game Chelsea had before the international break. Um, you would expect the expect expectation will be Chelsea for Chelsea to win. I think it'll be really important. Um, City and Leicester play each other tomorrow um, on Saturday. That is basically so not everyone will be able to be on 10 points, basically. Um, so Chelsea will have the opportunity to effectively start to get their noses out in front, start to move away from the pack. Obviously, it'd be fantastic if City drop points, but I don't, I don't know if that'll be the case. I don't want to judge Willie Kirk. I am going. So I will say hi to the man himself from you, Abdullah. Thank you so much. The other fixtures this week. So yeah, Villa, pointless Villa play Tottenham uh, on the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Then it's Leicester City versus Man City, um, which I'm sure you'll all be watching rather than Chelsea versus Arsenal on the men's side. Duh. Um, Everton United are on on Sunday at one. We're then on at two. West Ham Liverpool's at three. And Bristol City versus Arsenal is the late kickoff on Sunday. There are rumours that Viv Miedemar herself is going to rise from the dead to repeat her insane Bristol City performance from a couple of years ago where she absolutely single-handedly destroyed them. But Idaval suggesting there's a chance she could be involved. I think it, that's a bit of Idaval trying to get people excited. But we'll see. Maybe maybe she is ready. She, she was selected for the Netherlands squad, so she's clearly nearly back. Um, but that'll be an interesting one to see. Um... All right, Abdullah, I think that pretty much wraps us up from our little sort of Champions League reaction. I guess the only thing we didn't do is we didn't predict our Champions League group finishing positions. Shall we just do that as sure. a little moose-bouche to end the episode with? Of course, always a good one. You go first then. Who Give me one to four. You don't have to give me points or anything like that. Chelsea, Paris, Real Madrid, Harkin. Okay, you think Paris are going through? Yeah, I think the momentum's right. there. Let's go. We love to see it. I mean, that would be funny because Chelsea, Paris team, Real Madrid is exactly what our group was last year. So, yeah. I, I think I think I'll I'll go with you as well. I'd like to see Paris go through. Um, I don't want it to be at the expense of us doing anything. But if we're going to top the group, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and I always like to laugh at Real Madrid doing badly. So, yeah, I think that's a good one. I'll I'll go with what you said. Um, nice. all right. Thank you, Abdullah, for joining me. Thank, Thank you, you, listener, for joining us. We will be back after the Brighton game to talk through how all of that went. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>